Right, thank you. Uh, the text for today is Re uh, Revelation 3, 15 through 16, and this is to the church in Laodicea. And, um, you know, you can look at the, the whole letter there. I'll just be reading verses 15 through 16. And uh, then I'm basically going from a sermon by Samuel Davies, and I was reading this recently, and it was so good, I, I can't improve on it, so I'm just going to read it to you, uh, sections of it. Um, would like to read the whole thing, but that would consume the entire hour if I did that, so I have to sort of cherry pick out of it and uh, give the highlights. So I, I would certainly recommend to you Samuel Davies. He was a uh, 18th century Presbyterian pastor in America, in Virginia, and uh, was a contemporary, um, I don't know the exact overlap with Jonathan Edwards, but he is regarded uh, by many as one of the best preachers. Um, you know, uh, Jonathan Edwards is certainly more famous, but um, as far as just his uh, his skill in the pulpit, uh, Samuel Davies is is highly regarded. So the text, Revelation 3, 15 through 16, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of thy mouth. And of course, we all know that the spewing out of the mouth is like vomiting, throwing it up. At the idea is that Christ is sick to his stomach with uh, this kind of a church. Uh, the Laodicean church, which is wealthy and uh, thinks it has need of nothing and is arrogant and self-righteous and um, does not sense any need. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of us, of course, are coming from the West um, and feel that our churches are, in a sense, reflective of the, the Laodicean um, problem. Um, but uh, starting here uh, in, in on this sermon, uh, Davy says, I know thy works, says he to the Laodicean church, that thou art neither cold nor hot. This church was in a very bad condition, and yet Christ reproves her with the gravest severity. And yet we do not find her charged with the practice or toleration of any gross immoralities, as some of the other churches were. She is not censured for indulging fornication among her members or communicating with idolaters and eating things sacrificed to idols like some of the rest. She was free from the infection of the Nicolaitans, which had spread among them. What then is her charge? It is a subtle, latent wickedness that has no shocking appearance, that makes no gross blemish in the outward character of a professor in the view of others and may escape his own notice. It is, thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot. As if our Lord had said, thou dost not entirely renounce and openly disregard the Christian religion, and thou dost not make it a serious business, and mind it is thy grand concern. Thou hast a form of godliness, but denies the power. All thy religion is a dull, languid thing, a mere indifferency. Thine heart is not in it. It is not animated with the fervor of thy spirit. Thou hast neither the coldness of the profligate sinner, nor the sacred fire and life of the true Christian, but thou keepest a sort of medium between them. In some things thou resemblest the one, in other things the other, as lukewarmness partakes of the nature both of heat and cold. He talks about two considerations. One, who God is, um, that we consider 
how inappropriate lukewarmness is in light of God's majesty and glory. He says, if there be a God, as religion teaches us, he is the most glorious, the most venerable, and the most lovely being. And nothing can be so important to us as his favor and nothing so terrible as his displeasure. If he be our maker, our benefactor, our lawgiver and judge, it must be our greatest concern to serve him with all our might. If Jesus Christ be such a savior as our religion represents and we profess to believe, he demands our warmest love and most lively service. If eternity, if heaven and hell and the final judgment are realities, most awful, important, and interesting realities, and in comparison of them, the most weighty concerns of the present life are but trifles, dreams, and shadows. If prayer and other religious exercises are our duty, certainly they require all the vigor of our souls, and nothing can be more absurd or incongruous than to perform them in a languid, spiritless manner, as if we knew not what we were about. If there be any life within us, these are proper objects to call it forth. If our souls are endowed with active powers, here are objects that demand their utmost exertion. Here we can never be so much in earnest as the case requires. Trifle about anything, but oh, do not trifle here. Be careless and indifferent about crowns and kingdoms, about health and life and all the world, but oh, be not careless and indifferent about such immense concerns as these. Consider who and what God is. He is the original, uncreated beauty, the sum total of all natural and moral perfections the origin of all the excellencies that are scattered throughout this glorious universe. He is the supreme good and the only proper portion for our immortal spirits. He also sustains the most majestic and endearing relations to us, our father, our preserver and benefactor, our lawgiver and our judge. And is such a being to be put off with heartless, lukewarm services? What can be more absurd or impious than to dishonor supreme excellency and beauty with a languid love and esteem, to trifle in the presence of the most venerable majesty, to treat the best of beings with indifferency, to be careless about our duty to such a father, to return such a benefactor only insipid and complimental expressions of gratitude, to be dull and spiritless in obedience to such a lawgiver, and to be indifferent about the favor or displeasure of such a judge. I appeal to heaven and earth if this not be the most shocking conduct imaginable. You may indeed entertain a speculative esteem or a good opinion of God, but are your souls alive to him? Do they burn with his love? And are you fervent in spirit when you are serving him? Some of you, I hope, amid all your infirmities can give comfortable answers to these inquiries. But alas, how few. But yet as to such of you as are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, you are the most abominable creatures upon earth to a holy God. Be zealous, be warm, therefore, and repent. Is lukewarmness a proper temper towards Jesus Christ? Is this a suitable return for that love which brought him down from his native paradise into our wretched world? That love which kept his mind for 33 painful and tedious years, intent upon this one object, the salvation of sinners? That love which rendered him cheerfully patient of the shame, the curse, the tortures of crucifixion, and all the agonies of the most painful death. 
that love which makes him the sinner's friend still in the courts of heaven where he appears as our prevailing advocate and intercessor. Blessed Jesus, is lukewarmness a proper return to thee for all this kindness? No, methinks devils cannot treat thee worse. My fellow mortals, my fellow sinners, who are the objects of all this love, can you put him off with languid devotions and faint services? Then every grateful and generous passion is extinct in your souls, and you are qualified to venture upon every form of ingratitude and baseness. Oh, was Christ indifferent about your salvation? Was his love lukewarm towards you? No, your salvation was the object of his most intense application night and day through the whole course of his life, and it lay nearest his heart in the agonies of death. Never did a tender mother love her sucking child with a love equal to his. Never was a father more anxious to rescue an only son from the hands of a murderer or to pluck him out of the fire than Jesus was to save perishing sinners. Now to neglect, to neglect him after all, to forget him or to think of him with indifferency as though he were a being but of little importance and we but little obliged to him. What is all this but the most unnatural, barbarous ingratitude and the most shocking wickedness. Do you not expect everlasting happiness from him purchased at the expense of his blood? And can you hope for such an immense blessing from him without feeling yourselves most sensibly obliged to him? Can you hope he will do so much for you and can you be content to do nothing for him or to go through his service with lukewarmness and languor as if you cared not how you hurried through it or how little you had to do with it? Can anything be more absurd or impious than this? Methinks you may defy hell to show a worse temper. May not Christ justly wish you were either cold or hot, wish you were anything rather than thus lukewarm towards him under a profession of friendship. Alas, my brethren, if this be your habitual temper, instead of being saved by him, you may expect he will reject you with the most nauseating disgust and abhorrence. You may be indifferent about the improving of your time, but time is not indifferent whether to pass by or not. It is determined to continue its rapid course and hurry you into the ocean of eternity, though you should continue sleeping and dreaming through all the passage. Therefore, awake, arise, exert yourselves before your doom be unchangeably fixed. If you have any fire within you, here let it burn. If you have any active powers, here, let them be exerted, here or nowhere, and on no occasion. Be active, be in earnest where you should be, or debase or sink yourselves into stocks and stones and escape the curse of being reasonable and active creatures. Let the criminal condemned to die tomorrow be indifferent about a reprieve or a pardon. Let a drowning man be careless about catching at the only plank that can save him. But, oh, do not you be careless and indifferent about eternity and such amazing realities as heaven and hell. If you disbelieve these things, you are infidels. If you believe these things and yet are unaffected with them, you are worse than infidels. You are a sort of shocking singularities and prodigies in nature. Not hell itself can find a precedent of such a conduct. The devils believe and tremble. You believe and trifle with things whose very name strikes solemnity and awe through heaven and hell. 
Let us see how this lukewarm temper agrees with the duties of religion. And as I cannot particularize them all, I shall only mention a few. View a lukewarm professor in prayer. He pays to an omniscient God the compliment of a bended knee as though he could impose upon him with such an empty pretense. When he is addressing the supreme majesty of heaven and earth, he hardly ever recollects in whose presence he is or whom he is speaking to, but seems as if he were worshiping without an object or pouring out empty words into the air. Perhaps through the whole prayer, he had not so much as one solemn affecting thought of that God whose name he so often invoked. Here is a criminal petitioning petitioning for pardon so carelessly that he scarcely knows what he is about. Here is a needy, famishing beggar pleading for such immense blessings as everlasting salvation and all the joys of heaven so lukewarmly and thoughtlessly as if he cared not whether his requests were granted or not. Here is an obnoxious offender confessing his sins with a heart untouched with sorrow, worshiping the living God with a dead heart, making great requests, but he forgets them as soon as he rises from his knees and is not at all inquisitive what becomes of them and whether they were accepted or not. And can there be a more shocking, impious, and daring conduct than this? To trifle in the royal presence would not be such an audacious affront. For a criminal to catch flies or sport with a feather when pleading with his judge for his pardon would be but a faint shadow of such religious trifling. What are such prayers but solemn mockeries and disguised insults? And yet is not this the usual method in which many address the great God? The words proceed no further from your tongue. You do not pour them out of the bottom of your hearts. They have no life or spirit in them, and you hardly ever reflect upon their meaning. And when you have talked away to God in this manner, you will have it to pass for a prayer. But surely such prayers must bring down a curse upon you instead of a blessing. He goes on and he he speaks of how people of the world uh, throw themselves wholeheartedly into pursuits that last but but a moment, whose rewards are transitory and um, which are easily taken away from them and which they cannot hope to obtain or take with them into eternity. And he says, here, people are alive. They're they're all life and energy and vigor and uh, constancy in pursuing the things of the earth and the world. But when it comes to God, lukewarmness. And so uh, if you hear these, as I heard them, it's like a uh, sledgehammer over the top of your head. um, Exposing. the sin that I've so often committed of just being half-hearted in uh, the the matter of the Christian faith and the matter of prayer, in the matter of uh, reading God's word, reading it not as though it was the very letter of God, um, the most important being that there is. And of course, I would want to pick that up and read it with the utmost concern, but reading it half-heartedly, sluggishly, um, yawning through it. And of course, the Lord knows that we're weak. Um, he knows that we are but dust, and he is. He pities his children. Um, and yet, uh, let us pray this today that God give us uh, a, a liveliness and a, a, um, an appropriate 
level of interest in the matter of which we are beseeching him. Let's pray. Father, uh, as we begin to pray, we, uh, we've been doing this for many months now. And like anything, it's, it can become old. It can become routine and uh, something that we just uh, do as a duty, um, as a discipline. Lord, part of the reason we're praying for revival is because we feel this lukewarmness and we have, we, we agree with you in scripture. We stand on the side of the judge and we condemn it in ourselves. And we uh, confess, Lord, that we do not wish to be this way. We do not wish to remain this way. Lord, give us an appropriate feeling in the matters of which we are coming to you about. Lord, uh, our, our countries are crumbling. Our churches are very weak. And we ourselves are full of struggles and weakness as well. Uh, we need you and we beseech you uh, today to remove our lukewarmness. In Jesus' name, amen. 